welcome to In My Happy Place with uh, Trisha Hefner and uh, Elizabeth Hefner. I feel like I should just say Trisha and Elizabeth Hefner because there's no point in reiterating that we are sisters. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is what this podcast is about. It's about 45 minutes of pure rage. Me fighting to get her to finish (laughs) a sentence. For the first time in your life. Usually you're the one who's like, I'm Trisha and this is my performance. And it's like, Trisha, um, isn't this like a nice dinner party? And you're like, no, I'm Trisha. And this is my one woman show. (laughs) You know what? That is so untrue. And whenever we would get together with our family in the past, dad would always be like, hey, Elizabeth, why don't you get up and sing in front of everyone? Trisha, don't sing. Don't. I'd be like, can I maybe, could I like, could I give back? No, you are out of tune. We do not want you. Well, could I like maybe play some chords on the, no, Liz is going to sing. You're going to sit in the corner and take okay, notes do you remember? and write about it and to send it to someone else. Cause I don't understand poetry. Dad would come to my show performances. But whenever we were, you know, that was really nice. That was really nice, Tricia. But I have to tell you, I don't understand anything you said. I can't appreciate what you did. It was all gibberish to me. The only thing I understood was when you were in a Midsummer Night's Dream and that guy with the donkey ears went hee-haw. That was the (laughs) only part of anything you've ever done that I like. You know, I'm not, I mean, to be honest, a Midsummer Night's Dream, fact here, people, fact. A Midsummer Night's Dream is by far Shakespeare's best piece and most entertaining. And if you want to uh, challenge me, you can go ahead and message us on our Facebook page in my happy place. And then I'll make Trisha defend my statement because I don't like Shakespeare's tragedies. And I like when men get turned into donkeys and asses because... I mean, frankly, he was acting like one. <laughs> Do we have a topic this week? Okay, today we are discussing um, fitness. <laughs> <laughs> like your fitness to be a human being. I mean, and I will decide. And if I find you unfit to be a human being, then you <laughs> get to be buried in the ground and have mushrooms grow on your body. I saw this in Hannibal. It was beautiful. No, didn't we already talk about that? Like the way- No, yes, but I actually saw like in Hannibal, there was a serial killer who like put people while they were alive in the ground and kept them alive, like a support life support system and mushrooms grew on their body. It was beautiful. What? I love Are you gardening. talking about Hannibal the movie or the TV show? The TV show. Okay. It's so it's so beautifully dark. Wait, but how did he do that? Because mushrooms grow out of dead things. So if they were kept well, alive. Well, the, the body was, okay. So like as a scientist, um, <laughs> as a medical doctor, I can say, <laughs> I am not a medical doctor. Don't sue me. Uh, so I'm sure that this was incredibly scientifically accurate because it's TV. Um, but I'm sure like part of their body, you know how like, I mean, there's gangrene. So part of your body can be fucking decaying while you're still alive. Right. Yeah. That's a possibility. So then there science, you're welcome. Well, I am a medical doctor uh, because yeah, she is not a medical doctor. (laughs) No one take advice from us ever. Well, except for the advice we try to give you to help your lives. No, that especially you should ignore. No, Um, but I'm really smart. So you should take my advice. I'm a medical doctor because I'm an older sister, which means I know everything, or at least I try to act. I'm a medical doctor because I watched the uh, documentary Goop with Gwyneth Paltrow. And now I understand (laughs) about essential oils and how they heal you from broken bones. So anyways, fitness. Yes, fitness. Also, we're body. not we're not medical doctors. And if you do anything, it's at your own risk. If you break your leg, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, um, so we're talking about in my happy place fitness, fitness in my happy place. How do you make fitness part of your happy place routine? Oh, I like happy place routine. Happy place is not just a, a physical place or mental place. It's a routine. <laughs> So 
if I were going to incorporate, so Trisha, if I were, if you were going to incorporate fitness and make a part of Trisha's happy place routine, what would that look like? I am prepared to rant about fitness because this is what I have learned from 36 years of trying to stay in shape and trying to have an exercise routine and be a healthy person. I hate exercise. I just hate it. I have tried all different kinds. I have tried all different ways to motivate myself. I have discovered that what I like is to have my body be still and sedentary and not moving. Like the world is crazy enough and the world is full of motion. Right now, the earth is spinning around the sun with all of us on it. The world is in motion. There's one thing that I can make be still, and that is my butt. So I like sitting still, controlling the one thing that I have control over, which is just me not moving. That is my happiness. Do you recall any time in your past where wait, wait, you- Wait, hold on. You're doing therapy on me. That's not what I want to happen Fuck here. you. Hold I'm on. your sister. No, hold on. Okay. So to be fair, is a little bit of an exaggeration. I'm not completely against fitness and I appreciate that my body works. And I, you know, having had like family yeah. members who are who, who really physically disabled, I especially try to, you know, be grateful for that fact that I have a healthy body that works. Um, what I want to ask you, Liz, because now that was my rant. Now your rave is like, tell me what you like about fitness because you really are into it. I am impressed. I am awed. I am not inspired because I'm not inspired to exercise, but I am in awe and I am impressed by your dedication to fitness. So why don't you tell me what you like about it? Well, that I, I find that, that, that I appreciate those words, but I, I really struggle with consistency. So it's like, I do love fitness and moving my body, but not only do I struggle with consistency, I also really struggle with actually owning just the enjoyment of exercise and not have it tied to my fucked up past with eating disorders and body image. So Mm -hmm. it's really, I mean, one can say it's just multifaceted. (laughs) <laughs> uh, my feelings are very multifaceted. And uh, when I was growing up, like, I don't know what the fuck you were doing, but when I was growing up, <laughs> I worshipped like Xena Warrior Princess, Buffy, like anyone who was a kick-ass female who really physically could go toe-to-toe with like other warriors and be a warrior. Um, So I find that fitness just takes me back to that place of like female warrior worship where it's just like, yeah, I want to be a warrior and powerful physically. Also it's, I found it's helped me to, to own my size more because I'm, I'm tall, like already coming from a place of like, physical dominance, um, which I do. I mean, I am like just under six feet tall, you know, and I am like, um, not, but not like a, not like a model six foot tall, like a willowy baby horse. And when I go out and do any sort of like physically active thing, pretty much, it's either one of two things. Uh, I either feel like a hardcore badass and I'm like, yeah, that's right. Fucking fight me. Who wants to fight me? Or I get into a really negative headspace, which comes from still trying to heal from a lot of um, issues uh, where it's like, oh, you're not consistent enough. Oh, my God, this is not working. Why do you even try? It's not working. Um, So it's very so when you were saying how I'm very dedicated to fitness, I am. But it's it's very muddy water. It's not like yeah. yeah, I just I just love moving my body, you guys. I just find it like it's really refreshing. It's like fuck you. <laughs> I either feel like Xeno Warrior Princess when I do it, or I feel like I'm about to go in my fucking closet and cry my eyes out because I feel like such a loser. 
So good for you if you're just like, I like just going in the air and moving my body. That's beautiful. I want to get there. I want to get there. Well, when, like, what's the difference for you? Like what, what makes you have a good day of fitness where you're doing it because you feel empowered versus a day where you feel, I mean, you know, actually hearing you talk, it's funny because both of them are forms of power. One is like, I am empowered. And the other is oriented around like, I'm not powerful enough. And you, you actually like have a warrior voice both times. Just one is like, I am the warrior. And the other is like, I am the warrior beating up on this poor sap of a human being who's not good enough. But you're using that like Mm. judgy, powerful voice of kind of like violence one way or the other. Well, I have a lot of rage. (laughs) I have a lot of rage issues. Again, another week without assaulting anyone, except for with my eyes, like I said. But physically, I have not assaulted anyone, and I am incredibly proud of my achievements. You're welcome, society. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it should just be said that, um, you know, Liz has never actually been physically violent with anyone that I know of. I mean, well, when I was doing, like, MMA stuff. I mean, obviously, but that was in practice and very respectful. And also my teacher said, my teacher would always, and he was right. He was right to say this. Like he noticed that I was very much all about the defense that I wasn't, I very rarely ever went on the offense where I went after people. Mostly I was just defending myself against them because I know, I guess growing up, you know, bigger than like most everyone around me, um, because I wasn't born in Norway or someplace where big people were. Like, <laughs> I'm just like a foot taller than fucking everyone. Um, I I think I knew inherently that if, like, whatever I do to them, they're not getting back up again. <laughs> like, <laughs> I very much know, like, whatever I, like, I knew that my size and strength, I'm like, like, whenever I would fight you, I'd be like... Don't hurt Trisha. I mean, you You fought dirty too. I just want to let everyone know that when Trisha fights, she bites and scratches like a little bitch. (laughs) No, no, I'm no. If you are actually in a genuine fight, you need to defend yourself. You bite and scratch and you rip out someone's eyes. Like, I mean, I mean, if they're the bad person and they attacked you, not if you attack them, but yeah, yeah. You fight like that. And I'm more... I've always been more of the fighter. I'm just going to throw you down on the ground. I'm going to take you and I'm going to slam you into the ground and the fight's done. Don't get up again. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know like I could really, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, y'all. And I could really (laughs) injure someone. (laughs) So I think that I was always careful to, to, I guess I just, I knew, I knew I could just always fuck someone up pretty badly. So I, I probably became more of a defensive fighter than an offensive. Um, Unless uh, you're a big man. I've, yeah. I've had my ass handed to me by men who are like, it's so hard to admit because also like at that time, like I really had to rethink that it, what a badass I am because I had my ass handed to me by a guy who was like, a third degree black belt in jujitsu. Um, but he was still like, he was like five, three or something. And not, not like, not saying any shame on like being five, three, but I'm like, you know, I'm like just under six foot and I, always in my head, I was like, I'm so powerful. No one's ever gonna, like, no guy's want, gonna wanna like attack me and, and like rape me. I'm powerful and strong. And so when I had my ass handed to me by this guy who choked me out and he had held my arms in such a way that I was trying to tap out because he was choking me and I couldn't breathe. But this, my is, arms, this is an MMA. This was like, yeah, this organized. Was a, this was like an MMA club. So it wasn't like a class. So that's okay. We also didn't have to sign anything like, who's your next of kin. So it's a little, a little scary because it wasn't, yeah. So it wasn't like crazy, super organized. So he was holding my arms in such a way I couldn't tap. Um, 
And so I almost got choked out. And then I, and then I just felt so shitty because I'm like, oh, oh, just because I'm bigger, like that could still happen. And it was like really terrifying. So there's a, there's a lot of things that um, drive my desire to be as physically fit as I can be within reason without being like a crazy gym buff who's like literally talking about nothing but macros, you know, and, and their latest PR, no offense to that, but like I have other things going on also. Um, and I'm not trying to be like in a professional, uh, body competition. I think the title of this podcast should be no offense. Cause it's just like, no offense, but, exactly um, here's fun. a lot of offensive things. No, I mean, I think it's really, I think, um, you know, obviously what like pumping iron, what Arnold Schwarzenegger did in the past, Lou Ferrigno, and you know, those things are cool. And if they're your jam, they're your jam, but I'm not trying. So like, I have not dedicated my life to fitness. Um, so, but I find that I pursue it because it makes me feel mentally much better. Like my, after like a good day of fitness, usually I'll wake up the next day and be like, Oh, Oh life, there's hope in life and life's worth living. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that feels pretty good to all of a sudden feel like I have some hope. So it really does do something chemically to my brain, which I like. Also, I want to feel empowered and powerful physically, but then there's also like the dark side of like pursuing fitness just for the aesthetic and for the, um, the painful feelings of childhood when, um, when like just being made fun of a lot for my weight and, you know, so it's like very muddled. Yeah, no, I understand there's like, you know, fitness has two two motivators one is because you want the outcome you want to look better and the other is that you actually like doing it well, what about you want to feel better right I like yeah, how you just I ignored that good. you're just like you want to look but it's fucked up because coming from LA culture you pretty much go to the gym because you want to look better you don't it's like do you want to feel better? It's like, oh no, because if I wanted to feel better, I wouldn't go to the gym three times a day and go on the treadmill so hard that I literally throw up in a fucking bucket. That's not to feel better. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and for me, it's like, I think, um, I mean, I hope we can include at least this, but like growing up with you and with like this thinness culture, uh, and I won't personalize it to you, but growing up with this, you know, the, we've had a number of people who have had um, real eating disorders in our life. And uh, like, I remember in college watching this documentary on people who like, you know, had starved themselves so long that they ruined their thyroid and like just really abused their body. And like, for me, I have just really consciously worked on um, not worshiping thinness and also like you know I have historical perspectives I love the renaissance I fell in love with Shakespeare at a young age and I was like I want to go live in the renaissance where everyone had big bosoms and they wore those uh corsets and they had those big floofy skirts I think there's beauty in all body types I really do Uh, I'm not saying that just as an ideal or, you know, trying to be cheesy or anything. It's like, I really believe that Uh, it's how it's presented. It's the confidence you have and all those things. And like, for me, I'm also just really against worshiping thinness of any kind. So for me, when, whenever anyone tries to motivate me to be in better shape, um, or to get more exercise in order to be in better shape, like I bristle and I don't find that the best motivator in the long run and so it kind of is like a fuck you yeah a little bit because I'm just like like your personality anyway when someone tells you what to do Yes, it is. It's like, but I think that's wonderful. But I also want to go ahead and just like you know pop your bubble a little bit, uh-huh. and just be like in the Renaissance. Uh, I'm sure that they like. I mean, I'm not an actual historian, even though I did study history. 
<laughs> but I assume that they moved their bodies a tremendous amount more than we do in our modern culture because even using the even using the ship bucket um mm-hmm. i'm sure you had to do like some sort of deep squat or something and like <laughs> hold yourself up in a nice squat position like just living life was so much more physically taxing so it's not like with our with you know in certain cultures um you know we have these modern conveniences where it's like well i have to go to the gym well you don't have to but i go to the gym like five days a week because otherwise I just sit on my ass all day because of my job and because of this, these lifestyle things I have going on, like shitty jobs that make you sit on your ass eight hours a day, which I'm super, I think that's awful that we force people Mm -hmm. to do that. It's not good for their, for their anus, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) but, uh, and it feels like shit on your back. I gotta say. Yeah. So, um, so like when, you know, if you want to live all renaissance then, Start shitting in, uh, in, uh, what do they call them back then? You know, bucket. No, Um, but like if you're fancy, like not poor, the privy, your chamber pot, your chamber pot. I knew there was a fancier word than shit bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Shitty, shitty news. Uh, <laughs> There's got so yeah. I think that if you wanted to do that, you would still get some really good uh, physical movement, and you don't need, you don't fucking need to go to the gym and be like, "This is my structured movement to get up and have movement, or to have a count as like towards your movement of the day." Figure out what motivates you to do this. And then question if that's something that is a positive motivator. Yeah. That is not going to make you hate yourself in your life. You you have a really um you. you you have kind of, and I don't mean this as an insult, but like you do kind of have this fantasy about uh your fitness. Like Violence. it's empowering to you. It makes you feel like being it a warrior is. princess. It makes you feel like Diana, the goddess of the hunt. We're going to get all archetypal uh, about it and ancient. I prefer Greek mythology Mm -hmm. if you're going to talk about mythology. So you would be Artemis, goddess of the hunt. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. And I think actually. I'm guardian, protector of women and childbearing and animals. And I have a bow and arrow and I shoot you in the dick. If you try to use your dick as a weapon, I shoot you real good. So good. So it's like about self-empowerment. It comes back to that question, though, for me, like, what is, like, can you tell me about a time with your exercise that it was really good and like self-empowering and not you beating up on yourself for not being strong enough? I guess when I go out, whenever I go out and train in the woods, but I also feel like I'm taking like a forest bath now that I don't Mm. live in the cesspool that is Los Angeles, where basically you can go for a nice forest bath where you can smell the smog of the city and see one million actors slash dancers slash screenwriters also talking on their phone about their latest movie deal. No offense. If that's your thing and you get off on that, then fucking more power to you. But like if you are homicidal and you are just like, nope, nope, then, you know, now I take a nice forest bath where I can walk for pretty much an hour and see no one. And that really gets me off um, in so many ways. Like I can't even... Going out there, going in the forest, and then I'll like sometimes start running and... um you know, just do some training, um, but also just enjoy myself and do this whole forest experience. If I discover something, I'll like stare at it, you know, and it that makes me feel empowered, but also my truest self. Okay. So, I mean, that's like, that's good that you're connecting with nature. You're getting all that fresh air and energy you're getting, I mean, really that kind of just enhances that feeling of being, um, not just an empowered woman, but like going back to an archetype, like Xena's always in the forest and um, in New Zealand, in New Zealand, mm-hmm. or like uh, Artemis, the goddess of the hunt is always in the forest. You know, you're like of nature and communing with nature and empowered, like nature has power. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. I 
Like I will say that I know I rant about exercise and how I really don't like it. And I think another reason why it's so hard for me is that it just feels very um, like, I don't want to say like a privilege. It's this weird thing because on one hand it feels like it's work that I have to do that I don't want to do one, but then it also feels like there's so many other things that I have to do that are work related that are like answering emails for other people or creating stuff. Like for me growing up, (laughs) my fantasy, like the people that I admired and hero worshiped were like, I don't know, Jane Austen, William Shakespeare. Um, Jane Austen like walked her ass all around Pemberley. I just want to say, which is probably like 12 billion miles. Well, first of all, that wasn't Jane Sorry, that Austen. Was a, that uh, was Elizabeth Bennett. I don't know why I was thinking, when you said Jane Austen, I was thinking Elizabeth Bennett. Well, she Elizabeth was Bennett walked all. <laughs> Elizabeth Bennett walked her ass all over Pemberley Estate, which you know was like a, like that was a, that was a hardcore walking journey. But yes. okay, but Jane Austen, you know, you know that she went out in the woods and like walked all over like she was definitely a child of nature. She didn't walk all over. She took a turn through the gardens, which is different. And oh, like- whatever. That's like <laughs> a turn through the garden for them was probably like hiking like 25 miles for us. And it probably was. And that's the thing. I think for me, it's like, um, yeah, the things that I really value are the things of the mind. It's like, they, they're not being sedentary on their own, but it's the things that lend themselves to being sedentary, like sitting and being at your computer and writing. And if you're going to be out in nature, it's like you go out in nature and you have a notebook with you and you're sitting under a tree writing about the woods and the birds and whatever that inspires. It's not a lot of like physical movement, hiking, empowerment. Um, and what I find the kinds of movement that I do really like are the kinds that you get that aren't really exercise that don't necessarily bring your target heart rate up. It's like going for a nice leisurely walk with your camera so that you can stop and take pictures of the caterpillars and the butterflies and whatever else it is you see. And like, I always feel when I'm going for a walk, trying to get exercise and then I see something beautiful, I'm like, well, don't stop to photograph that because you're going to lose your heart rate. And then I'm just like, "Mm, now I feel cock blocked. I feel beauty blocked. I feel photography blocked, camera blocked. I feel camera blocked. Could it be something in between where it's like, no, you're allowed to do that. But then maybe after, I mean, at least I did this during my last hike. There were, I don't know what the fuck I was looking at, but there were some fucked up looking caterpillars on this tree, like on this branch and they were black and they were black and they had like white wisps all over them, uh but there was like a shit ton of them and they Mm. were all crowded on this branch and it was just like like a bunch of them like all over each other and like an orgy like a caterpillar orgy and I had to take a picture of that because you know how I'm like into caterpillar porn apparently um but then after that I was like okay so yeah my heart rate slowed down you know that's fine so after that I just decided to like then run a little bit to like get it back up again Is so then it's like I mean, the best of both worlds I've heard that like going from sedentary to running to sedentary again is not good for you. Okay. I had already warmed up because I had already walked, I had already walked slash jog like, like half a mile. Mm-hmm. And then I saw these caterpillars. So it was already warm. And so I like took some pictures of the caterpillars and stopped to admire them. And then I started running again. That's completely fine. You don't want to speaking as a personal trainer. <laughs> Well, I do have my certification with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So technically, but I don't practice as a personal trainer. But you would most likely, with approval of your doctor, be fine to like have warmed up with your walk and then look at some caterpillars for like one minute 
and then start running again because you're already warm. You don't automatically just cool down okay. like that. It does, well, it's that not makes that fast. Me feel better. Yes. Here, enabled me to share screen. I want to show you something. No, we're still podcasting. Just I don't care. Enable me to share the screen. Are these the caterpillars you saw? It looked like those. Okay. White hickory two sock. Don't let your kids play with these. Well, I shouldn't have fucking played with them then. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hickory two sock moth caterpillar. I mean. Don't touch white caterpillars, experts say. All right. I licked it. I licked it. Is that bad? (laughs) Did you pick them up and put them in your mouth, Liz? I picked them up and I put them in my nose because I thought it would be fun to feel the tickle tickle. (laughs) (laughs) Is that bad? Uh, Yeah. Now you're dead. I'm talking. I'm podcasting with a ghost. Okay. So let's get on with it because my phone's dying. Okay, cool. So um, we ranted and we raved. You know what my, okay, we ranted, we raved now recommendation time. You know what I actually think is really helpful that you said is um, pointing out that Elizabeth Bennett and all of the Jane Austen characters take those long walks. And, you know, a lot of writers do talk about taking long walks and they're not necessarily talking about going out into the woods and running marathons and, um, you know, getting your target heart rate up, but just going out and processing your thoughts and feelings and being in nature. And I think that's probably a much better motivator for me to think about myself as being like, to think about the, the exercise and the movement as a way to reconnect to nature and to, go out and get stimuli from other things and be curious about the environment around me and also like using it as a time to process through my feelings, which I think is what a lot of writers are doing. And like, that's a lot of what um, goes on in the Jane Austen novels is it's like, we're bored. There's nothing to do. Let's go out and walk on the moors. And maybe I will run into Mr. Darcy And then maybe, maybe I'm switching books now. I'm switching novels. Maybe you twist your ankle (gasps) and then there's like some fucking douchebag with mutton chops who rides up on his horse (laughs) and is like, can I be of assistance? And then he can pick you up because Marianne was not six foot tall. Uh, and then he picks you up in his strong arms, but then he turns out to be a fucking asshole. But then you meet this other guy who actually is like a really great guy who was played once by Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to seriously watch Emma Thompson's screenplay of Sense and Sensibility. I do remember that. It is That is quite- the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It is quite good. And I think that's actually a really good motivator for me is to think of myself more as like a character in a Jane Austen novel or think of like... Except don't twist your ankle. Yeah, but I'm going to try really hard not to twist my (laughs) ankle. Also, like if that happens to me, I'm just going to use my cell phone and call Alan and be like, I twisted my ankle and he's going to be like, okay, I'll come in and help you up. Aww. (laughs) Andrew would be like... Andrew will be, <laughs> Andrew, like, sometimes he's like, I wonder if I could pick you up. And he'll like try and he's like, oh no, my back. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alan does the exact same thing. This is the problem. Well, these men being... need to, need to get, it's, it's their fault, not my fault. I mean, it's, yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. It's not my fault. Absolutely. I'll pick him up and bench press him. I'll show him. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I know, like from, Eight years, because Alan and I just celebrated our eight-year anniversary, even though Alan is probably like... Wait, not marriage. No. No, no. Eight years of being together. Yes. Um, well, congratulations. Think, you passed the seven-year scary area. The, yeah. No, now it's smooth sailing. There's no problems Perfect. after seven years. Well, basically after seven years, I feel like you're just like, whatever, I fucking put in all this time. Fuck it. If I don't like them... I'll just kill them. Don't do that. That was a joke. And it's only funny if women, it's only funny with the idea of women killing men, not men killing women. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. fucked up. It's not funny. It's not happy. It's not, don't do that. Don't kill people unless you have yeah. to, to protect. Like if you want to kill Hitler again, that's fine. 
Not like he got killed his body, bring him back to life and then kill him. (laughs) And then kill him because he didn't actually get killed the first time. And that seems a little fucked up, right? Wait, how did he die? He killed himself. Yeah, that's not fucking, fuck him. Yeah. No, it's like that line that Bronn says um, to Jamie in Game Game of of Thrones. Thrones. It's all like, until, like, you don't get to kill you. Nobody else gets to scale you. Only I get to kill you. Like, oh, that's there like, are so many people who should have gotten to kill him besides himself. But that's the point. That's like what? What a little okay. bitch! What a little it's, bitch! It's Fucking actually, Hitler. it's like actually an ancient Roman thing. I learned this when I was teaching Julius Caesar in junior high. But like, that was kind of a. Roman tradition is like you wanted to have so much control over yourself and your life that if the enemy was at the gate and was going to kill you and you knew that your life was pretty much forfeit, rather than giving them the power to kill you, you took power and you at least killed yourself because that meant that at least you weren't like getting defeated. You were like maintaining control up until the end. God. What a cocksucker. Uh, <laughs> but then in other cultures, like in Obviously, we know in traditions of uh, feudal Japan, right, mm-hmm. where uh, it was the honorable thing to do. So, it, it, first of all, we definitely do not advocate advocate suicide. Yeah, definitely want to put that out there. We're just talking historically, and yes. fuck Hitler, fuck <laughs> him. So, I don't care if I offend Hitler all day, little bitch. There you with go, little bitch, mustache and comb over with stupid bangs. What were we talking about? Fitness. Yes. Fitness, fitness and Jane Austen characters. <laughs> and we somehow managed to get ourselves into Hitler's bunker. Um, I forget what I was saying. So you were saying that I think you had some sort of epiphany where you can go and enjoy getting out into nature and going through your thoughts and finding a nice place to find new stimulation um, and still, you know, get your body moving in a way that feels good to you and to you as a poet and a writer and a Trisha. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and uh, instead of having to think of exercise, like, God, I gotta go fucking do this stupid grind that I hate and be out of breath to the point where I need to throw up. Now, I do think it is important as a personal trainer mm-hmm. to, um, you know, you kind of want to get your heart with your doctor's approval. <laughs> you want to get your heart rate going, you know, like a little bit more than just a, like a, like just a nice pleasure, leisurely stroll, like pleasurely pleasurely stroll this is where this is where you're gonna lose me because Mm -hmm. like that's okay first of all I mean when I do go for a walk and my heart rate does get up um I do feel good afterwards like you do get those endorphins and chemical things happening in your head that is really really good for you I understand that I don't actually hate it when it happens it's just motivating myself to head in that direction I'm like uh this is going to be work. Well, I mean, and yeah, starting fictions. What if I just I mean, see a starfish and I like just want to sit in front of the starfish for 20 minutes? Then just minutes. sit there in a nice, deep, activated squat. <laughs> so not sitting on your heels, but actually like using. Um, so I think that you just need to find things that make you happy that also support the happiness of your back because I know a big motivator is to get rid of back pain. Yeah. And you, I know you don't want that back pain to get worse. Um, and I really think that you can find things that are like, you can find a mixture of like, this is enjoyable and I get a lot out of it and it feels great mixed a little bit with like, well, I hate this and this sucks, but I only have to do it for 10 minutes and I get a shit ton of benefit. Such as like saying the funny thing because you and Chris, Chris, who is our nutrition coach and um, I guess exercise health coach all around, you and Chris are both Virgos and you (laughs) both have that as like, this is a rational motivator. It's so rational. You're (laughs) going to, you have to do this because you're a grown up or you have to do this because 
If you don't, you're you have to be the parent. Yeah, you have to be a parent. You're a little kid. Your little kid, Trisha's little kid. You know what? Mom said, so don't even. Mom said that mom and dad both said that you would like to run away, like laughing your ass off, being like, this is so great. Like as a child, just to run away and be like a giant douche, but a child. What happened to that? Um. Oh, here's, so here's something interesting. Speaking of mom and dad. Well, first of all, I don't have that motivation now. I don't have like big people telling me not to exercise. In fact, maybe that's Trisha, what it you need be. to stop. Yeah. You need to stop running around and you need to sit still. Stop. Oh my around. God. I have this incredible desire to go for a walk now. <laughs> God, that's right. That is Ew. how you do Pisces. Yeah, no, like mom and dad, because everyone, you and, and Chris are all like, you've got to have your inner parent or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? My inner parent was like, oh, do you not feel good? Here, I will buy you a box of C's candy. That Take was it mom. Easy. Yeah. So but like then I, inner well, we had dad. Let and me when finish I was my go- sentence. My inner parent no. was. go ahead your parent your parenting your inner child yeah my inner parent was like protect yourself be in a safe place if your body hurts you should lie down and rest don't overstrain yourself you might have to go to the hospital yeah to be fair (gasps) our inner parents our real parents bring things like get an amazing insight Well, no, you just kind of brought things full circle and also my phone's dying. You just brought things full circle basically because you talked about uh, it's really hard when you grow up in a certain environment, like you talked about, like if you grow up with white supremacists, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to like have struggles probably not being one, but at the same time, people have done that a lot. So I don't want to take anything away from them. Of course, you know, and if you grow up with like a fucking narcissistic sociopath and you're not that person, it's all the better for you. Um, But basically, we did grow up with two um, physically disabled parents. Mm -hmm. Now, our dad did love to get a lot of physical exercise in by riding his bike with his one good leg. um, And he was able to do that. And he was like a fitness enthusiast, but also was very was kind of limited in what he could do, but you just brought a full circle because you're like, that's how we grew up. Yeah. And someone once told me, I don't know if this is true. Someone once told me that I, this was not a therapist. This is just a person in my life that I had a tremendous fear of, um, like of ending up kind of like how our parents did where, Mm -hmm not able to move my body very well. And um, so that was like kind of a motivator for staying safe because I was so worried mm-hmm. I was going to get injured and hurt. And um, and I also find that like I get really anxious that I'm going to like hurt myself or break my leg. And, you know, it's I find that that comes up to to me a lot, as what you said. Yeah. So, Yeah. I'm just wondering, you know, that seems like you just brought a full circle again. So we should wrap it up. Did you, you have anything else to say to that, though? Um, well, you know, we could we could go for a long time about this. Uh, Let's I not, everyone. Let's not. I think it's been an hour and a half. I have to edit this shit. No. Okay. So I think the wrap up is for you. Your motivation is about empowerment and sort of this archetypal warrior princess goddess thing. So I want to be able to protect all those who can't protect themselves. Oh my God. What if that's also about mom and dad? Because physically I'm just like, you're not going to hurt my parents because they can't really defend themselves physically. So I'm going to fucking kill you with my sledgehammer of glory. Well, you and I um, both have the same parents, and I guess we could both say that, but uh, that's not how. But you're I like, I'm going to write a poem, yeah, and throw it at the person and give them a paper cut. Uh, no, I'm more like I, you know, I accept this, and I have um, 
I understand that some people have more challenges than others, and I should be grateful for the ability to move more healthfully and appreciate that. But it still doesn't take away your experience of the, you know, your your struggles. It's not like, well, you should just feel grateful because we know that that doesn't work for people. Like you're you're for me. Yeah, and but your feelings are still valid just because you have more privilege than someone like our parents. Mm -hmm. We have more privilege in that way. Um, It doesn't mean your feelings about movement aren't valid and you should just be grateful, you know? Right. I think if anything, you know, my experience has been more of let's um, find things to do with our minds because we can't always do things with our bodies and there can Mm -hmm. still be a really rich life of the mind And there can be a really, you know, there can be a lot that you do to connect with your body that has nothing to do with strenuous physical movement. Oh, for for sure. I took a hot bath and I'm just like this. This is my happy place. Was it in salt? I want to be doing. You ground ground yourself with salt. You put salt in your bath water and it grounds you. It grounds you good. Well, the recommendation that I'm giving for myself is to think of the walking as part of the artistic Uh, process and being more like a Jane Austen character or Jane Austen herself who went through many walks um, on the grounds of whatever English estate that she was on. She lived in Bath, didn't she? Bath. She lived in Bath. England. Sure. Yeah, totally. Everyone knows that. That's common knowledge. I did actually find out- If you're a literary person, you would. Yeah, I actually found out um, a lot of the greatest English novelists, male and female, were the children of, um, oh, what do you call it when you're like, oh, the- There are parishioners and then there's like the people that are the ministers of a county parish- but they're not called ministers. What is that called? Was it what, um, what's his name? You know, from Sense and Sensibility. Wait, no, you're not. No, Sense and, <laughs> oh, crud. It's Sense and your, Sensibility. You yeah, know, no, it is sense, you're right. You're right. It is Sense and Sensibility. What was his it's name? The, I only care about Colonel Brandon. Everyone else can suck it. <laughs> Edward Ferris. God damn. There you go. That was embarrassing. I'm sorry. Everyone. You're right. Super embarrassing. Ferris, Edward Ferris wanted, what did he tell Eleanor? He wanted, well, he wanted that. He wanted yeah. to have like a small parish where he perished people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, okay. You're, so you're saying a lot of literary, famous literary figures were children of people who like, did ministry ministry work, but not? It's that? not ministry. There's a specific. Is it a vicar? Was Shane Austin's father a vicar? Um, vicar. Reverend vicar. Gentle yeah, vicar. a vicar is kind of like a minister, right? Yeah, there's a vicar, and then there's like a person who's one below a vicar. Um, what is below a vicar? A wicker? <laughs> a picker? Um, no, no, below. So it would be the W wicker. That makes sense. I'm smart. S-M-A-T smart. A pastor? You know, it doesn't matter. Just say things and people will believe it because... They were like a clergyman. A clergyman. Well, what's really interesting, <laughs> so I'm reading this book called At Home by Bill Bryson. And instead of like Bill Bryson writes a lot about travel and things like that, but he wrote an entire um, history of his home. And so basically like the history of homes in general, like the first houses that we ever discovered that much earlier people lived in and so on and so forth. And he was talking about his house Uh, was owned by a clergyman. So he talked about the British clergy. And basically these were people who just like knew how to read and write and they didn't necessarily know anything about religion. 
So they would live like in a country parish and all of the farmers and so forth, like basically tithe and gave them a certain amount of money. And all they had to do was like every Sunday, go and read a sermon. They didn't even have to write their own sermons. They could just read a pre-made sermon. And otherwise they had plenty of free time. So basically they were the influencers of their day like I the, even, the they know they weren't really they were the social media influencers that just uh-huh. they just like go on youtube and they're all like i really like this lip gloss i didn't make it but i think it's really good they didn't even have to do that much work <laughs> okay um they i know editing videos is actually a lot of fucking work Yeah, they had a lot of free time to just walk around the garden and think and read. And so a lot of a lot of the famous novelists were either um, those people or children of those people because like they had the ability to read and write. They had all this free time and and they were privileged enough to be able to be able to have that kind of a lifestyle. So we don't know how many amazing authors there could have been. If people had been able to read and write. Yeah. Well, read and write and have the leisure. We need to make education more better. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I think there you just proved it. We definitely need to make education more better. No, but seriously, Uh, education, like, can't there just be education for all? Another topic. Another topic. Okay, fine, fine, fine. fine. Okay, um, you know, thank you for joining us today where we brought you to your happy place and definitely didn't talk about things that might have been upsetting to your beautiful experience listening to this podcast while you were probably doing something such as driving your kids around and or sweeping or petting your cat what do people do nowadays um stare outside the window and pretend that it's 2019 (laughs) (laughs) sourdough starters what how have you not heard about this like what the fuck is that wait what we're learning in quarantine people are learning how to make their own bread so i love sourdough that is literally my favorite bread well, then you can learn how to make your own sourdough starter and make your own sourdough bread. No, I'm trying not to eat carbs because they make oh me God. happy and I'm trying to eliminate all happiness from my life because it's it's the theme of 2020. It's like being constantly forced to do Lent when you're not even Catholic. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> really? just, let's get us down to the bare bones of existence and eliminate all the Ugh. things. Goodbye forever. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>